0: Welcome to UMasterclass, the award-winning podcast written and produced by students in the Film Studies program at UMass Amherst. I'm Emily Coe. You're probably wondering where Jackie is. Don't worry, she will be here on our next full episode, which is gonna be released very soon. We have some awesome guests on there. I'm not gonna spoil anything, but one of them is the director of one of the films we're talking about. Super exciting, you don't want to miss out on this. You also probably noticed our awesome new theme music. It's so groovy. It's a little bit of lo-fi. I love the vibe. It was composed by Quentin Kalawort. We actually chatted with him about his process producing this music, so you'll be able to learn more about that during our next full episode. Stay tuned for all of this so what are we doing today this episode is a podcast extra on the massachusetts multicultural film festival and this year's theme is indigeneities the virtual festival started last week on march 2nd and it will continue until april 27th and we'll talk more about how it works later in honor of the theme of indigeneities, we do want to acknowledge the land that UMass Amherst is founded and built on. The University of Massachusetts Amherst acknowledges that it was founded and built on the unceded homelands of the Pocumtuck Nation on the land of the Norwooda community. We begin with gratitude for nearby waters and lands. We recognize these lands and waters as important relations with which we are all interconnected and depend on to sustain life and well-being. The Pocumptuck had connections with these lands for millennia. Over 400 years of colonization, when Pocumptuck peoples were displaced, many joined their Algonquian relatives to the east, south, west, and north. That includes Mashpee and Aquinnah-Wampanoag, Nipmuc, Narragansett, Mohegan, Pequot, Mohican, communities in Abenaki and other nations of the Wabanaki Confederacy. These native peoples still maintain connections and relationships of care for these lands today. We also acknowledge that the University of Massachusetts Amherst is a land grant university. As part of the Morrill Land Grant Act, portions of land from 82 Native nations west of the Mississippi were sold to provide the resources to found and build this university. As an active first step towards decolonization, we encourage you to learn more about the Native nations whose homelands UMass Amherst now resides on and the indigenous homelands on which you live and work. We also invite you to deepen your relationship to these living lands and waters. Today, we have three fantastic guests, guest curator, Professor Laura McGough, assistant curator, Nafeli Forni, and co-director of the festival, Professor Daniel Pope, who is also the faculty advisor for this podcast. This year's theme is again, Indigeneities. There is a wonderful collection of indigenous film and media art from all over the world, which is really exciting. Professor Laura McGough's research interests include indigenous film and video. And I was actually able to meet with Laura in person to talk more about her background
1: and the festival's theme. My name is Laura McGough and I'm a lecturer here in the art department and also the director of the Herder Art Gallery at UMass. And I've been a curator for 30 years. And one of my main areas of interest, one of my research interests is indigenous film and video focusing on narrative film, but also media arts as well, experimental media arts as well. And I joined the film studies faculty last year and hearing about the film festival and its wonderful history, um, started, you know, talking with the directors about the possibility of an indigenous film festival, or or indigeneity being part of the film festival. One thing that I'm really interested in is the, the widening of indigenous film and media over the last few years. There's been, I would say over the last 10 years or a bit more, just this explosion in indigenous narrative film, documentary, but also experimental forms, video games, media art. And I really wanted to bring that to the festival, really look at the various forms that make up indigenous film and cinema and that are specifically exploring indigenous identity and representation. Around 2000, Barry Barclay started to identify this rise in indigenous cinema, and he was a Maori documentary filmmaker from New Zealand. And he was looking at films by Zach Canuck, Tracy Moffat, Um, himself he was also looking at sami films that come from the scandinavian country from sami directors and identified this movement and called it fourth cinema and fourth cinema really is the idea it's indigenous film made by indigenous people for indigenous people and he didn't have a narrow definition but he did identify some characteristics So films made within a community by a member of a community, for example. Films made often with non-actors, non-actors who speak an indigenous language from that community. And he really stressed for cinema as a communication tool and as an education tool. So one way that indigenous stories could be continued, preserved, and told from within a community. And so it's interesting to see how a lot of the films and videos that we're showing as part of the festival build on that idea. They extend that idea. Laura
0: talks about the educational potential of indigenous media. I asked her what sort of discoveries she hopes people will make from participating in the festival.
1: I hope they discover the diversity, (laughs) right? And they move beyond stereotypes that they might have of what an indigenous filmmaker could be. Not just documentary, although documentary is very important. Experimental film, performance-based work, work with new technologies, work that's really expanding the language of film in general. Sky Pinkas film, just like a beautiful example of the development of visual language, really using the tools of cinema to tell a story. Handheld cameras, slow motion, this amazing use of sound. There's one portion of the film where a canoe is being pedaled down the sea, and you hear the sound of the pedals hitting the water. It sounds like a heartbeat, and it just continues this extended image and this extended sound. It really draws you in. So really, just to look at the diversity of work being produced today and also on a global level, the festival includes films from Russia, from the High Arctic, from Australia, but also local work, local work in that it's a local artist, Vic Quesada. So this kind of this whole range that this work is being produced in our backyard and it's being produced globally, and the work being produced in our backyard as part of this global network and this global movement.
0: Laura then talks a little bit more about the curating process and the
1: format of the festival. Part of my process and part of my research is just keeping in the back of my mind new work that's being produced new work by artists that and filmmakers that I'm familiar with, like Zach Canook or Sky Hot Pinka, but also looking, always being on the lookout for new artists, new filmmakers that are, are that are entering it, the scene. And so, you know, part of it was this whole list that I had that I was drawing from. And I looked at a lot of work, but I had that notion of both global diversity and diversity of genre in mind. So trying to pick work that telling good stories, good filmmaking, um, as well as really diverse genres, but also not a lot of overlap. So I think that the films build on one another, but they're not necessarily repeating the same territory. It was amazing to be able to kick off with Night Raiders, which was a transnational production. So Dennis Goulet has received funding from both Canada and New Zealand, and she's working with Canadian and New Zealand production teams. That was exciting to learn about how she's working transnationally in an indigenous transnational production, especially, uh, and a production by a woman, with a feature film by a woman was really exciting. You know, one thing I think it's really important about this festival is that there's a number of women filmmakers that are part of it. And that's really exciting to me to be able to see how women and younger women especially have entered into this arena and are producing really important work. So that's another area that really excites me. I'm excited for people to get to know Zach Canuck's work outside of um, The Fast Runner, which actually is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. But I'm excited for them to see other work that's coming from Zach and Asuma from McGlulik. Um, I think Sky Hapinka's work is, is so amazing. I'm such a big fan of his short films. Just everything is, is exciting to me and exciting to be able to present them weekly with these amazing scholarly introductions and then conversations with the filmmakers. Like you couldn't ask for, for a better form. I think one of the most important things about the festival is the conversations that come after the films. And and also before scholars from throughout the five colleges contextualizing the films a bit for the audience giving them a bit of insight you watch the film and of course you have questions and you want to have a discussion and then being able to listen to the filmmakers and the scholars in conversation and then add your own questions it's just so valuable Uh, the first conversation we had between Dennis Goulet and Santi Frazier was just amazing and it was so insightful and impactful so I hope that I hope that your listeners take advantage of both the introduction and the Q&A as part of their experience of the festival
0: I'm looking at the festival website right now and I'm really excited for this week's film directed by Sky Hapinka So we'll link the website in the description. Let's now move on to the festival format and learn a little bit more about what it was like organizing a virtual festival for the second time, because last year it was also virtual. I asked Nafeli, a graduate student in the Department of Comparative Literature here at UMass, and I asked her what it was like this time around.
2: So to be honest, it was one of the main reasons why i felt we could deal with other challenges that we had i i'm working again with daniel pope of course and i felt immediately that we could we could make it happen because we knew the scene we knew what platform we're going to use how we're going to use it and all the surprises we had last year we were able to anticipate so both of us, I can speak for Daniel on this, felt kind of disappointed for not being able to do it in person or find some kind of hybrid mode. And But of course, obviously the pandemic is far from over and uh, we decided it would be safer to do it remotely. So I would say ultimately a sense of confidence and comfort to a certain extent. This
0: year's theme is a throwback to the theme of the festival in 1993, which was called The Shock of Recognition, but it's spelled re-cognition, Identity, Memory, and the Politics of Representation in Indigenous Media.
2: We're very happy to have Jacqueline Orla. She's the dean of the graduate school. She is going to be one of the moderators for our festival, and she curated the very first season of the MMFF that uh, was called The Shock of Recognition. She will be introducing the film and moderating the discussion with Sky Hopinka. And the reason why I say this is because the MMFF started with the conversation on recognition, uh, indigenous media, and every single season has been unique in a sense because the themes have informed the curating process and the results. So I would say that it's, a, it's interesting how we can think of the same format, you know, even the same days, Wednesdays, 7.30, all that. But the contents and the films themselves and the intentionality behind the, the designing of the program is what makes the festival so unique, in my opinion.
0: Nafeli talks more about a film that she is particularly excited about.
2: I would say uh, The Book of Sea is my favorite in, uh, but maybe because I'm highly interested as a film scholar in interdisciplinary approaches um, to film and film creation and the filmmaker. um, It's gonna be a wonderful event, uh, moderated and presented by Professor Chris Gouch in comparative literature uses so many different forms of animation. And, and I think the storytelling is very interesting. This season, we really have challenging films that work with their genres. I hope people feel a certain form of discomfort, maybe. I don't know that I could mention one principal takeaway. I do want people to really sit and think about the the films we watch and how we watch them and the structures around filmmaking, distribution and consumption really. Maybe the Q&A could be a forum also for our audience to share certain concerns, a forum that we don't have usually. So we will share every time we have an event, we share a link and through a Google form, our audience members, can fill out uh, the form, just sharing a question, and engaging with certain communities that have been historically uh, not only demonized, but excluded.
0: Nafeli goes on to talk more about the festival organizing team.
2: I'm a film graduate certificate student, and that I'm very proud to be one that this festival is presented by Film studies at UMass Amherst you know and Barbara Zecchi is the film studies Bro- program director and I try to be very insistent on the fact that all of these events all of these endeavors are made by a group of people and that's very important to me so I would say it's all about collaborative work we have a fabulous group of interns. And as I said before, Laura McGuff worked as a guest curator. I work uh, with Daniel Pope, who is absolutely outstanding. And that's basically all I would like to say It's just, it's always gratifying to, to work in these projects because it's a group and a collaborative endeavor.
0: This group, of course, includes co-director Professor Daniel Pope. Here is Daniel speaking about the team and his role as one of the directors.
3: I'm Daniel Pope. I'm on the film faculty at UMass Amherst. And I've been involved with the festival for 12 years now. I became involved when Catherine Portuguese was a director of film studies and the director and curator of the MMFF. In the last couple of years, I've taken on the role of director Last year, I directed the festival fully online during COVID, and, and this year, I'm directing again together with Sean Shimpak and a whole crew of people. Nafeli Forney is a really invaluable team member as assistant curator, and we have a, a team of interns who work with us, and this year, we have Ian Sedlow, who has really been critical to being able to do what we need to do to make the festival happen. Laura McGough is the, the curator this season. and I have to say Barbara Zecchi in the film studies program, the director of film studies is really a champion helping us find the, the funding and connections that we need. So it's really a team effort. Last year, it was great to be able to do the festival at all. The previous year, the festival was launched as a fully in-person festival and then the pandemic intervened. And we only had a couple of events before we had to table the whole festival. So we were worried we wouldn't be able to have one. And Nefeli Forni and I made a plan and we found a festival platform and we found a way of doing the audience Q&A with filmmaker guests. It's actually really good. We were able to actually get filmmakers who otherwise, it would be hard to have as guests, even in non-COVID times because of distance of travel and making schedules mesh. Whereas online, we can have somebody join us at an appointed time and we, we have a, a really vibrant dynamic conversation and we bring the questions of the audience. That's great. The downside is, of course, that call me old-fashioned, but I love being in person with people. And I, I love having that kind of in-the-room experience. And I think the audience does as well. There's something about being in the room with the person who made this wonderful piece of art that, that you've just watched. But we try to we try to do something like that with the live stream conversation and Q&A. In an in-person festival experience, the audience arrives, kind of trickles in over the Course of about a half an hour, and we'll have our trailer playing up on the screen. And our interns are there with materials to hand out for people to, to look at. There's sort of a, a welcome and a initial words by the director. And then there's each film event has a scholarly introduction. So there's a film scholar or, or an expert who gives an introduction to the, the film, the filmmaker, or the subject matter. And then the film would be screened in an in-person event. And then afterwards, there is the, the Q&A and discussion with the with the filmmaker. And so this time, we're actually recording those introductions in advance. And they have to be a bit shorter. I think when you're live in person, you can have that, again, that kind of in-person dynamic where you can engage the audience directly, maybe ask questions. We've had people just kind of riff off of audience responses in their introductions. So there's it can go a bit longer. But for pre-roll to, to our, our video that we have available on demand for audiences to watch in advance of the live stream event the pre-roll is this introduction and so we try to keep it down to about 10 minutes maximum so people can get it and they're great there might be someone out there who would be tempted to skip right to the movie and I and I think watch watch the introduction that's really super valuable the, the ones that we've had we, we record that introduction and we put it up into the film festival platform. When you go to, to watch the movie, that the introduction plays first, then the film. In some ways that gives us an opportunity to make improvements on it or to shape the introduction in a way that, that maybe is not as easy on, in an extemporaneous kind of way.
0: Daniel goes on to talk a little bit more about the history of the festival.
3: I've been involved in the festival for about 12 years. The first festival ever in the MMFF was curated by Jackie Erla, who is now the dean of the graduate school at UMass Amherst, a professor in anthropology. She's the founding curator of the festival with her first season on the theme of the shock of recognition, also dedicated to indigenous media. For many, many years, Catherine Portuguese really did amazing things with the festival, bringing documentary filmmakers, experimental film, drama. She would bring films from all over the world and that that kind of defined the festival. We would have filmmakers coming from almost every continent and every year there would be a new theme. And the themes that we would have would be kind of broad enough to allow interpretation in really creative and interesting ways. So I loved how that evolved over the course of the festival. When uh, Professor Portuguese retired, there have been a kind of a a series of other directors and interim directors involved. And I think to Kathy Portuguese's credit, the festival really hangs on that same structure that she founded. I mean, the festival was kind of the first of its kind. There was nothing quite like it. And people around the country would reach out to her to ask for advice on how to do something similar at their institutions. I like that there's a new theme each season. The theme can really speak to what's happening in a a particular moment. And also periodically there would be a a guest curator or uh, a guest director. I like that because it allows for new ideas, new perspectives. If you have one director doing the, the whole festival all the time, you might end up kind of placed in a kind of corner a bit where you have perhaps their particular area of interest represented more every season than it would be if you had more kind of guest directors.
0: It's so interesting to get a glimpse of the festival's history. And Daniel also talks about the future of the festival. The new format is still sort of in the works, but really exciting stuff coming up in terms of getting more people involved.
3: There's a new format for the festival, I mentioned that Laura McGough is the guest curator. So we're developing a new way of curating the festival where film faculty can apply and propose a theme and a a slate of possible films for a season. And then there'll be a committee with Sean Schimpack as the chair of that committee, sort of reviewing the proposals and selecting the guest curator for the next season. It's not a total free reign to do whatever they want. We still want to maintain the integrity and the character and traditions of the MMFF, and so I'll be involved in that kind of helping shape what gets curated, what gets included, and how the the season is shaped. This season is is wonderful. It's a very focused theme. One thing we have not been able to do this season that that I think is important for the festival is partnering with other organizations and groups and and festivals. So the Pioneer Valley Jewish Film Festival, for example, or the Catalan Film Festival. Last season, we had wonderful partnerships with New England Public Media and the Feinberg series in history, the, the Stonewall Center. So we we would have these these great partnerships, but I, want, I think that's also essential to the festival that I want to make sure is retained and nurtured and cultivated into the future.
0: Now that we're really pumped about the festival, How do we participate?
3: The films are available online, so you can go to our website. The more direct link to that is blogs.umass.edu slash MMFF2022. So if you go there, you'll find links to see the film and also to watch the live stream event. You can either watch the live stream event on YouTube or Facebook. To see the film, we have a film festival platform that will have the film available in the days leading up to the live stream event. So you can see it on demand, when is most convenient for you and then you'll be ready to prepare a question and come to come to the live stream event also we'll try to have links on the website for the questions as well so you can actually go and and even in advance before the live stream event begins pose a question for the director um, you can you can start to engage early i will i will say that i'm really excited about this year's theme and the films we're bringing really a, a wide array of stuff from experimental works like skyhapinka's Mathni Towards the Ocean, Towards the Shore. The first film in the festival, Night Raiders, is a sci-fi drama. So it's a, a wide variety of kinds of media and films from all over the world.
0: Just to recap, if you want to participate in the festival, aka watch the introduction, watch the films, watch the live Q&A, go to blogs.umass.edu slash mmff2022. You'll find the program there. You can watch this week's introduction by Jacqueline Urla in Sky Pinka's film now to get prepared for the live Q&A with the filmmaker that is happening on March 9th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can find the link for all of this on the website as well. We'll put the website link in our description and the link to the live Q&A with Danis Goulet that happened last week. Everyone, go watch these films! Such an awesome chance to broaden and deepen our experience of Indigenous art. Thank you again to Laura, Nefeli, and Daniel for coming on this episode. It was really wonderful learning more about this year's theme and the festival in general. And thank you for listening to this podcast extra. Make sure you share it with your friends, family, classmates, pets. I mean, they're gonna wanna participate in the festival too. Make sure you are subscribed so that you get any notifications of new episode releases. Like I said in the beginning, you do not wanna miss out on this full episode that's gonna be coming out in a couple of weeks. Stay up to date with us on Instagram at umasterclasspod. This episode was written and produced by students in the Film Studies program at UMass Amherst. Music by Quentin Callewart. I'm Emily Coe. Thanks.